everyone. My name is Lou and welcome to my podcast called Anatomy Follows Physiology. We just finished up talking about um, calcium and the role it plays in bone physiology, how it can affect um, uh, our risk of developing osteopenia and osteoporosis in later adulthood, and the importance of maintaining a healthy lifestyle to maintain um, strong and healthy bones throughout the lifespan. Um, We're going to end the unit on bones and bone physiology with just discussing the different types of fractures that can occur. A fracture is a crack or break in a bone. Um, And any bone is, uh, you know, it can can break um, despite its mineral strength. Um, It can break due to being subjected to extreme loads of pressure, sudden impacts, or stresses from unusual directions. and the damage is called a fracture. So most fractures heal even after severe damage. Um, it's easier actually to, for bone to heal than for cartilage. Because remember, cartilage is a vascular. Bone is vascular, so it's going to heal a lot easier. But it, it also depends on where the fracture could be. Um, one complication that we worry about, or at least that I've learned, is seeing a fracture and an epiphyseal growth plate. Um, in long bones because if that happens there's a chance that the bone length might be interrupted and one one bone uh, let's say you fracture your tibia at the growth plate in the tibia so that means one your left tibia could end up being longer oh actually shorter than your right tibia that wasn't damaged so these are just some things to think about. Fractures are very important because it can happen to anybody, especially if you're an, an athlete or if you are an you know an, an aging person and you happen to fall and break a bone. Um, so there's different types of fractures. Fractures are named by four basic um, categories, um, each with two groupings. The first is the position of bone uh, ends. Um, whether they're non-displaced or displaced. And second is the completeness of break, whether was the break complete, was it full, full breaking of the bone, or did part of the bone break, was it incomplete? And um, the um, third is the orientation of the break uh, to the bone's long axis, whether it was linear or along the axis of the bone or transverse, kind of uh, adjacent to it, perpendicular. And um, whether or not the bone, the broken bone penetrates the skin, you know, did it, was it open or was it closed? An open or compound fracture projects through the skin. So you'll see bone coming out of the skin. That's called a compact, um, compound or open fracture. Whereas if the bone is fractured and you don't see it coming out of the skin, it's closed. That's also called a simple fracture doesn't necessarily mean that it's a simple fracture, just that you don't see it coming out of the skin, so it's closed fracture. Open fractures tend to be more dangerous because of the increased risk of infection and bleeding. Um, and so in closed fractures, the bone ends can only be seen on an x-ray because the skin remains intact. So if you don't have open skin, they're definitely going to do an x-ray to see if you have broke you know, how you have broken your bone and what kind of fracture you have. So the first type of fracture we're going to discuss is called a transverse fracture. And this fracture can happen to um, 
to a long bone, like an ulna, for example, and it, it's a break. Uh, it breaks the bone shaft across its long axis. Displaced fractures produce new and abnormal bone arrangements. Non-displaced fractures retain the normal alignment of the bones or fragments. Next up, we have compression fractures, which you'll often see in vertebrae, uh, subjected to extreme stresses, um, such as you know those produced by the forces that arise when you uh, land on your seat in a fall. You fall and land on your seat, and that compresses on the bones in the vertebra, the vertebral column, and that can create a compression fracture. And that's often associated with osteoporosis, which is when your bones become really brittle and and frail. Next kind of fracture, we have a spiral fracture. Um, And, you know, for example, like a long bone, like your tibia can get a spiral fracture. And that's produced by twisting stresses that spread along the length of the bone. Next up, I might have mentioned this already, an epiphyseal fracture. Um, can occur in where the bone matrix is undergoing calcification and chondrocytes are dying. So a clean transverse fracture along this line generally heals well. Unless carefully treated, fractures between the epiphysis and the epiphyseal cartilage can permanently stop growth at this time. So that's why it's very important. You You want to try to avoid a growth plate fracture or an epiphyseal fracture. Um because it can really uh, affect your growth, especially if you're still a growing person, you know, be careful. Next fracture we have is a comminuted fracture in which uh, the bone shatters completely. um, And it affects the affected area into a multitude of bony fragments. So the bone completely shatters into a bunch of bony fragments. And uh, that's a really tough, uh, that sounds like one of the worst kinds of fractures you can get. The next kind of fracture we have is a green stick fracture. Before I get into that, just to note, the comminuted comminuted fractures, uh, I would say that's a complete fracture. Because remember, we can kind of of group fractures into those um, four main categories. And uh, whether it's complete or incomplete, I would definitely say that a comminuted fracture is, is a complete fracture. Um, so a green stick fracture um, happens only on one side of the shaft is broken and the other is bent. Uh, this type of fracture generally occurs in children whose long bones have yet to ossify fully. Um, another kind of fracture is a coles fracture or a break in the distal portion of the radius. Um, and it's typically the result of reaching out to cushion a fall. So let's say you're about to fall, you're going to break your fall by automatically most people's instinct is to put their hands in front of them and to, you know, save the rest of their body and their major skeleton. But oftentimes this will result in a coles fracture and that breaks the radius. It causes a break in the distal portion of the radius. And last but not least, a POTS fracture, also called a bimalleolar fracture. Um, It occurs at the ankle and affects both medial malleolus of the distal tibia and the lateral malleolus of the distal fibula. If we go back to our review of the structure of the appendicular skeleton. So the POTS fracture, that's basically, you're just going to want to think POTS fracture your ankle. 
And if you're another way to remember the pots fractures, you know, a pot or you want to sometimes if you bang pots and pans, they make a lot of noise. And when you want to make a lot of noise with if you don't have pots and pans, you'll stomp your feet and that can affect your ankles. So think pots fracture, you're going to stomp your ankles. You might, you know, fracture your ankle. That's a pots fracture. Now I will be discussing the repair of a fracture uh, or bone breaking. So we all want our bones to heal after they've become fractured. And there's four steps that occurs in the repair of a fracture in the body. The first step is hematoma formation. So uh, immediately after fracture, um, excessive or extensive bleeding, I should say, occurs. Um, and that's uh, kind of forming a large blood clot. Um, known as a fracture hematoma, um, which kind of closes off the injured vessels, blood vessels, and kind of leaves a fibrous meshwork in the damaged area. Um, this disruption of circulation kills local osteocytes, broadening the area affected, and the dead bone soon extends along the shaft in either direction. Uh, the next step is callus formation. So we have hematoma formation, next is callus formation, in which the cells of the intact endosteum and periosteum undergo rapid cycles of cell division, and the daughter cells migrate into the fracture zone. And thus, an internal callus forms as a network of spongy bone uh, unites the inner edges of the fracture, and an external callus of cartilage and bone encircles and stabilizes the outer edges of the fracture. So essentially, a callus is forming around the inner and outer edges of the fractured bone due to the, the division of the cells from the endosteum and the periosteum. The next up is uh, spongy bone formation. And um, that's uh, as the bone repair continues, the osteoblasts replace the central cartilage of the external callus with spongy bone, uh, which then unites the bo broken ends. Uh, fragments of dead bone and the areas of bone closest to the break are resorbed and replaced. The bone, um, the ends of the fracture are now held firmly in place and can withstand normal stresses from muscle contractions. So spongy bone is formed. That is step three. It's formed because the osteoblast replaced that cartilage, uh, replaced the cartilaginous callus. They replaced the callus with spongy bone. And then the last step is compact bone formation. So we've had a hematoma, a callus, a spongy bone, and now compact bone being formed to repair the fracture. And now the bone has kind of mended itself. So a swelling initially marks the location of the fracture. Over time, this region will be remodeled by osteoblasts and osteoclasts, and then little evidence of the fracture will remain. Uh, the repair may be good as new, or the bone may be slightly thicker and stronger than normal at the fracture site. Kind of like skin, if we get a deep cut, the skin heals over thicker and stronger than it was originally. And the same process is with happening with bone. It could be good as new, or it could be a little thicker um, at the fracture site. Under comparable stresses, a second fracture will generally occur at a different site. So that is the process of repair of a fracture. And thank you so much for listening. Um, stay tuned for the next unit uh, where we discuss joints.
Thank you so much.